0: Hi, Rabbi Schaefer here, and I'm very excited to tell you about the new schmooze book, The Ten Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make. Over the past 15 years or so, I've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of couples, and I can't tell you the amount of times I look and say, why are you doing this? Do you understand what the relationship needs? Do you understand what your spouse is thinking? I put together this book to detail some of the really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make, And the book has been extremely well-received. We sent out about a 1,000 pre-publication copies to Huston and college teachers, to marriage therapists, and the reviews have been really, really very heartening. If you'd like to get a copy, it's available on Amazon. It's available in your local bookstores. It's also available on theshmooze.com. If you purchase it on theshmooze.com, in addition to the hardcover book, you'll also get the audiobook as well as the e-book as a free bonus. If you'd like to do that, please go to theshmooz.com. T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z dot com. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll greatly benefit from it. Thank you. Okay, we're going to start this evening with something interesting. We're going to call this a little um, Musr exercise. And here we go. Here's the question. The question is, who are you? Who are you? So, we've been down this road a bit before, but I think this is a very important point. Let's begin. Ladies, who are you?
1: That's a loaded <laughs> question. The same thing,
0: yeah. Okay. Because um, we know that you're expecting us to say shum, and
1: you're
0: going to say you're not "Mishlom." I'll take, you're I'll, take any yeah. I'll take any not answer. I'll take any answer. Rosenberg's grandmother. <laughs> okay. At least an accurate. Dis- okay. Um, all right. So let's start. The reason why we're going to broaden this discussion this evening is because we're going to see it's it's a little bit more complex than even we've given it credit till now. So again. I'm certainly not the arms, the head, the chest, the leg. You know, usually you point to me. It's, it's, I'm not the body. Um, we get that part, but um, but the next step to recognize, and this is the next step. We've done this before, but again, we're going to, as we get more involved in it, you'll see it becomes more complex. Um, um, if I ask you, what are you? Most people think of themselves as the brain, um, but again, the, when you bury the body, the brain goes into the cavern with it as well. <clears throat> the brain is something that I think about. So I think through, I think with, I relate to the world with, I see through, I recall things through, but I use the brain. Meaning there's a computer right over here, I am the user of the computer, I'm not the computer, Um, this is a Mac, but I am a person. So to the brain is something that I use, Um, but identifying who I am isn't as simple, I think, as as I wish it were. So let's let's begin. Can I, can I
1: give another try?
0: Please.
1: I am a chelch el kamima.
0: So that is more confusing because I, I surely don't know what that means. Who are you, though?
1: I'm 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 being created by Hashem. Everything is.
0: Everything is created by Hashem at every moment, and Hashem keeps everything in existence. Pushes. Who are you?
1: <coughs> a distinct being. Okay, but who are you? My actions.
0: You are your actions? Yes, isn't that what's left? Once I'm dead, that's what's left. So, you are
1: not your actions. Your deeds.
0: Not your deeds either. You are not your deeds.
1: You are what your actions formed you to be.
0: So, it's the most basic, intuitive, and Mm life-changing concept. I am me. Who is me? I. But I want to explain to you why that's such a huge step forward. It's such a huge step forward because I am the one who thinks, who feels, who remembers, who does. I'm the guy inside. I'm the one who tells my arms and legs to move. <clears throat> I'm the one who tells my body to move forward. I'm the one who allows my mind to control me or I control it. But I am the one inside. But here's. Oh, wait a minute.
1: But Hashem is really the one telling
0: me to move my hand. No ma'am. <laughs> no ma'am.
1: Bechira.
0: Hashem gave us Bechira. Bechira yeah. means we have our own volition, well, our own... I'm
1: going to bring you the Lubavi Mishkan Evna where he specifically says that Hashem is really in the end of the day control. We think we're controlling, but it's so. So
0: here's how it works. In other words, there's a concept called a Das nifrat, a, a intelligent being separate from Hashem. Malach is not controlled by Hashem. A malach is a das nifert, a separate intelligent being with its own volition, its own interests, its own desires, its own, we can loosely call it a personality, but it's much, much broader than that. But it has its own pechira. It could listen or could not listen. Now, it's not going to disobey Hashem because it recognizes the value of every action that it does and understands everything Hashem commands is for good and the good of the world. Everything bad is bad for it and bad for the world but it has full free will and could completely ignore Hashem and completely dis, you know, disavow itself from Hashem. It won't get too far because Hashem keeps everything in existence every moment of the being. But at the end of the day, I am a separate being from Hashem. Now, I mean, again, what that means is Hashem keeps me in existence and Hashem keeps everything in existence, but I have my own volition, my own das, my own intelligence, my own will, I am a separate entity. And to say I am I mean there are people who say they're God, but that's, that's a very serious problem um, that we're dealing with. But but I'm not I'm not a Shem. When we say I'm a chalikal kimimal that refers to a level of Kedusha, a level of Ruchnias. But again, I have my own will. You know what, ladies, let's go back to the to the seagull marshal. That's the easiest way to do it. I and the seagull, right? I dream about the seagull. The seagull is not a separate entity. And the seagull cannot will itself to do anything. And in the dream, if I say to the seagull, Go east, it cannot go west. That's because I am not a creator. When Hashem created human beings, the most difficult thing, when you really dig into this deeply, you'll see that the most difficult thing for us to understand is how Hashem creates something that's independent of Him, dependent on him, but independent of him, and with its own will, and able to disobey Hashem. So in in the dream, let's go again, here's a dream. It's freezing night, I'm shivering, close my eyes, imagine a beach scene, sand, the ocean blue, the sky, the lone seagull. Now, I am the dreamer of the seagull. As long as I think about the seagull, it exists. The minute I cease thinking about the seagull, it ceases to exist. Now, I will the seagull to go east, it's physically impossible for the seagull to do anything but what I will it to, because i it only exists in my mind, and it only exists in, in my understanding, and it's physically impossible for it to go east when I want it to go west. That's not the Bria that Hashem did when Hashem created man. Hashem created a seagull with its own das, its own will. Now the seagull is controlled by Hashem, and and the seagull could only do what Hashem wants, but Hashem gave it its own volition, its own will, and Hashem will allow it to go east, even though Hashem wants it to go west. So Hashem says, "Seagull, go east." And if seagull says, uh, "I'm going west," please go east. No, I'm going west, and it could literally turn the other way. And go, because it's a concept that, if you think about it, is beyond our human understanding, you appreciate why it's 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 impossible to create something with its own free will. I'm sorry? It's
1: like Pinocchio.
0: It's like Pinocchio. So in, um, he created Pinocchio, and
1: then Pinocchio went off and did his own thing.
0: Yeah, so here's the problem. In fairy tales it works, but if you think about it deeply, it doesn't work. You, cannot cre- you can't create a computer program that has its own will. No matter how far science fiction tries artificial to... I'm sorry? Artificial I say No matter how far they try to play the game of artificial intelligence, it doesn't have its own will. It's only it's programming. It's if this, then that, if this, then that. But there's no will there. There's no... <clears throat> yeah,
1: program,
0: program itself. So in theory, again, so <clears throat> in theory, you could have a program that could program itself, but there's no will there to do anything other than what it was programmed to do. So if you willed it to program itself, it will program itself. If you willed it not to program itself, it won't because there's no independent will. An independent entity, an independent will... Is so beyond human conception, surely beyond human's ability to create. It's it's probably one of the most difficult things for us human beings to understand, and one of the greatest kedushim in my Bereshis that Hashem can create an entity with its own will, separate from Hashem. So far, so bad. Okay, this is this really wasn't what I wanted to get into because we're leagues and leagues beyond where I wanted to be. You asked the question. <laughs> okay, let's start again. <laughs> right. <You're quite> <laughs> okay. Who am I? So I am the one inside. I'm the one who feels. I'm the one who thinks. But here's the big step. The biggest step that we human beings always mess up on is, we think that I am physical. And I am not physical. My body's physical. My arms are physical. My chest is physical. My legs are physical. My eyes are physical. My brain is physical. But I am not physical. I'm totally physical utterly, completely, spiritual, As a matter of fact, the biggest mistake we make is that, you know, a person would be there, and it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, I had this spiritual experience. It's so strange, because here I am, this physical being, temporarily having this spiritual experience. Nothing could be further from the truth. I am not a physical being occasionally having a spiritual experience. I am a spiritual entity temporarily having a physical experience. I'm the guy inside, I started from under Hashem's Kisei HaKovod. Hashem put me into this body for a few short years, but it's I'm the one who thinks, I'm the one who feels, I'm the one who tells my arms and legs to move, I'm the guy inside, and I'm utterly, totally, completely spiritual, not at all physical. Not at all physical. Utterly, completely spiritual. How do you say
1: not at all
0: physical? Because I'm not at all physical.
1: You're just wearing a physical coat. Now
0: I I am mixed into this very confusing entity. I was put into this body, and in this body has drives and appetites and pulls and 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 and, and therefore it feels like it's I am hungry, and it's true. <clears throat> when I relate to it, I am hungry, but really, it's not me. I, I guess. It's a very. It feels like it's me. It showed sure this, you know, <clears throat> when you punch my arm, it hurts me, but really, I'm, I'm but, the but guy. In it's s-
1: physical also affects the neshama. you, you, you know, you could tarnish it, you could, you know, actually It's pure, but obviously, if you give into your tigers, it will affect, you know, your neshama. And, and there was.
0: But 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 that uh, but, uh, but that neshama that or the I, am not physical. I'm in the physical body <clears throat> I'm pulled by physical drives because there's another component in Bahami. Um it, I could, I guess in theory become more physical-like you know, in a sense that if I give into my desires they become stronger and they, they're more effective on me I can even make them a part of me but that's almost like a it's almost like a false um, you know, I'll give you an example Could you imagine, after I die, my body's put in the ground, uh, and I get up to Shemayim and I say, I am so hungry, oh, I wish I had a steak. I just need, oh, I wish I had a steak and potatoes. Now, could you imagine that kind of scene? Let's assume not. Now, but, if you give in to your nefeshit bahami enough, that could become a part of you. In other words, if you give in to appetites, desires, and let them rule over you, they become a part of you, and there are various stories. You remember there were about this also number forty-six, where <clears throat> where you can leave your body, no longer have a body, and still have desires that are physical. You desire to eat, or desire to procreate, or whatever the, whatever you gave into. Um, so you you could make them a part of you. But again, it's a it's like a would call like a phantom pain. And there's meaning. For if you lose an arm, you can still have pain in the arm, but you don't have an arm. So it's it's phantom pain. So in a similar sense, if you don't have a body, you, if you make these desires part of you, you could still desire these things even after you die, your body's put in the ground, you still have these appetites and desires even though it's ridiculous, it's ludicrous, but but you can make them a party. But at the end of the day, unless I mess things up badly, I am not physical, I am utterly, completely spiritual, <clears throat> um, temporarily put into this body, and having a temporary... Physical experience. Okay, so far so good, right? Okay, now. No, No, so bad. Okay, why? Who am I? Who am I? So that's what I'm saying, it's the most intuitive and groundbreaking concept. Your
1: your spiritual self is you.
0: I am I.
1: Everything but your
0: body is you. I. I, the one who thinks, I don't want to feel, I don't want to go to sleep, I don't want to wakes up. I. I'm the I. I'm speaking to you. Let's say I start yelling, I, I, I start calling your names. What happens? You feel embarrassed. Who? You. I tell you, great news. You have a, a new grandson. You feel great joy. Who feels great joy? You. You're, you are the person. You are the, um, <clears throat> the one inside. It's, that's what, it's the most intuitive, obvious concept that we never think about. No? How can
1: I get in touch with
0: I? You are you. Don't get in touch with you. You are it. You, you, you're there. You, you're existing. So the
1: positives and the negatives?
0: Yeah, well, we're going to see. We're going to split things up in a moment, but on the simplest level, let's start this way. Rabbi Sol in his famous letter, says as follows. There is no difference between a person alive and dead except for taking off the coat. a abegid leva, just taking off the coat. So imagine that I walk into the room, and I take off my coat, I'm in the room, the body is the coat. So they put the body on the ground, and I am there. Now, the key distinction between me now, and me after the body is put on the ground, is clarity. Suddenly, brilliantly, I get it. I'm vibrantly alive and awake, every memory is there, everything I was ever engaged in is a part of me, and I'm brilliantly, brilliantly aware of my existence, of Hashem's existence, of the reason for creation, I'm just, it's like from slumber to awake. Um, But again, who is it who leaves the body? Me. Um, The most simple, obvious, yet, again, aha moment, mind-boggling moment, when I get it that I'm the guy inside. So far so good? Good. Who are you?: I am I.: Perfect. Good.: No, good. No, we didn't get anywhere yet. Okay now. OK. Now let's imagine we have um, two puppets. And let's say we have two puppets, um, and someone says, "I will for these puppets to be alive." Guess what? Like Pinocchio. Like Pinocchio, Zeppetti, what's uh, his name? Geppetto. Geppetto, Geppetto. Geppetto carves out Pinocchio, and he says, I wish for a boy. I wish for a boy. I wish for a boy. Guess what's going to happen?
1: Nothing. Okay.
0: <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Well, why not?
1: We can create one. How we want Because we're not Hashem.
0: But what is lacking? So let's go back to um, Mary Shelley. I'm sorry? The breath of life. The breath of life. What is the breath of life? So let's do a little Mary Shelley, right? The Frankenstein monster. So Dr. Frankenstein is 1818. Dr. Frankenstein takes the corpses from all the various bodies. He sews it together, and he's got the Frankenstein monster, right? It's all assembled, all stitched together, head from this person, arms from this person, legs from this cadaver, all assembled. Now, here's the problem. The Frankenstein monster is lying there, innate, Inert. It's not doing nothing. It's nothing. It's just not moving. So what's lacking is the breath of life. So how does he make it alive? Anybody remember the story?
1: Electricity. Right. Now in the
0: 1818s, remember, Benjamin Franklin flew that kite. It wasn't that long ago that electricity was discovered. Electricity was this like cool thing, the, the mysterious like power behind things. like a. So in the storyline electricity, so he puts up the lightning rod, lightning hits it, and it comes down into the body, and the Frankenstein monster comes alive, because the breath of life was breathed into it, because electricity, that's it. Now, the Frankenstein monster never happened, because electricity is not going to make a cadaver alive. But why not? Everything is there, you have the brain you have the lymph nodes, you have the blood, you have, you got, everything's there. It's like
1: you need Hashem's electricity.
0: What do you mean?
1: What do you if need? Only he can <clears throat> create a spiritual being.
0: Thank you. You need a spiritual being to occupy that body. Dead and alive is based on one thing. Is there a spiritual entity occupying that body? If there is no spiritual entity, it's dead. There's a spiritual entity that's put into it, and then that spiritual entity is now wearing the clothing of the Frankenstein monster or the dog or the person or whoever it may be. But it, the point is. What
1: about the person in the coma?
0: So he's still attached. He, the one inside, is still attached. Not conscious, but still attached to the body the until death.
1: spiritual dead. being is still inside the person in the coma.
0: Right. Now, until the separate, until death. the the neshama is there. occupying, I, I'm there. (laughs) But, no, uh, yeah, yeah, no, but let's use the word neshama there because the the conscious I isn't there then. So the neshama is there. As long as the neshama occupies the body, the body is alive. Now, it may not be conscious at that moment, um, but the body is fully, you know, is, is, is alive. So again, the difference between dead and alive is one key criteria. Is there a spiritual entity in the body. If there's a spiritual entity in the body, it's alive. If there's no spiritual entity, the body is dead. So what is life? Now that, <laughs> that question, by the way, that question stumps medical ethicists all day long. What is life? Well, I don't know. What's the difference between dead and alive? We can't, there's no definition. There is no definition. But you know why there's no definition? Because you cannot measure I. You can't weigh it. You can't add it to a beaker, add blue dye, and see what color it turns. I doesn't exist in the physical world. You can't weigh it. You can't measure it. You can't box it. Because I am utterly, completely spiritual. And that's why medical science has such difficulty defining death. The difference in alive and dead has no physical definition. There is no def- because. But the organs could be functioning, and he's what is he alive or is he dead? Let's say you took so brain dead. So brain dead's dead, right? And that's what I'm saying. Let's say we took a Frankenstein, we took a a cadaver, and and we put pieces together, and we we had machines running the breathing, the you know, we had the respiration, no?
1: Let's let's take it the other way. Let's take a person who is. Machines are running the body, but their brain is no longer alive. Are we allowed to turn off the machines because their brain is not alive?
0: The person is still there. The person still occupies the body. Maybe not be conscious. When a person's sleeping, am I allowed to shoot him? <laughs> he's sleeping, he's not there, huh? He's only 60% dead. <clears throat> right, he's 160th uh, right. of death, right? So I'm allowed to shoot him, right? Uh-uh. That's God's job. But the point is, though, that the difference so when When
1: is the person dead? He's if if brain dead, but he's so still does the, uh, alive. That's what I'm saying. If you... If, you, if, you, if you, the person is technically dead, the only thing that's keeping him alive is the machines.
0: Well, but then he's still attached to the body. The difference in life and death, really, is very simple. When I'm in the body, when the is in the body, the body's alive. When the neshama leaves, the body's dead. What's so hard to understand? You know what's hard to understand? Because neshama is not measurable in a physical world. Because nishama. Is utterly, completely spiritual.
1: Well, kind of, say, somebody, they do lose, like the weight, the body weight that go down. Over it, it's like a, a drop in their their mass. Hmm? It's say like that a person loses weight like when the shaman does leave. There's no, like, that was actually the amount it is, but it's like you do weigh less.
0: Okay, but but the point is, that it's not a. Certainly, when a person is in a coma, the difference in dead and alive is not not measurable. Um, but but again here's the point the reason why death is so difficult to define is because i don't exist in a spirit in a physical plane i'm utterly spiritual you, and when i'm in the body i'm alive when i'm out of the body the body's dead but you can't measure i there's no scale of measurement not tall not short not heavy not dense there's no scale to measure it by and therefore well, I I am alive. I am the entity. I was
1: thinking, like, animals non yes, Jewish people are alive. So. People, that alive. so, but they're not spiritual. Animals aren't spiritual. You? Oh, saying, oh, 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 I'm, oh, oh. well, let's see. Basically, ne- what you're saying is, I never die. It's just a question of whether I is housed in our book or I, I is exactly. housed someplace else. Someplace the concept
0: of, of death, even, is, is, is almost. So um,
1: the I itself never dies.
0: Right. I don't die. I'm wearing a coat and the coat is taken off and then I'm no longer influenced, contained, constrained by the body. In other words, death isn't like going to sleep. Death is like waking up. In other words, as long as I'm in this body, I'm contained by it, constrained by it, I'm held back by it, I can...
1: That's so why you could <clears throat> say somebody could be a girl or somebody could come back as something else because their eyes is going into a different coat. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Okay, now, here's where things get complicated. Excuse complicated. <clears> me. <throat> Let's talk about a dog, a cow, a <clears throat> donkey, uh, a giraffe. Are they alive? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> they sure do look alive If you, if you... If you shech the cow, the cow is dead. If you don't shech the cow, the cow is walking around. So clearly, the difference between a cow alive and a cow dead is very real. Now, what's the difference between the cow being alive and the cow being dead? So let's start the other way. If you were to take a pile of bricks, and from today till tomorrow will them to become a building, they're not going to become a building. If you take a pile of molecules, and from today till tomorrow will them to be... And enti- it doesn't work that way. Um, <clears throat> what happens is, even if you have a form, <clears throat> there has to be something that brings it to life. The nefesh of Bahami of the behemoth is what brings the behemoth to life. Matter of fact, the way Derech Hashem explains it is immediately after conception, the nefesh is put into that seed, and the nefesh of Bahami is what causes everything to grow. We think of DNA as the coding that guides the uh, the growth of the human. Apparently, that may be part of it. That's sort of like the physical traces. But the neshama or the nefesh in the animal is what actually causes everything to develop as an animal. So immediately upon conception, Hashem puts the nefesh into the uh, let's say the nefesh of a dog into that into those cells, and that nefesh is then responsible for the formation of the animal, the organs, the skin, the bones, that's what directs everything. Um, a little bit like eye to the brain, meaning a lot of times people confuse eye with the brain because I think through the brain, but I, it's eye I who thinks through the brain. So too, the DNA in the animal, the cellular coding, the nefesh kind of will use that as part of the, to create the structure, but again, there's a nefesh that's operating it, that's guiding it. And the animal, when it's is born, has a fully formed nefesh bahami, and that nefesh bahami has all of the instincts and all of the desires to keep it alive. And that's what guides it. That's what directs it. Now, if you read Jane Goodall, Jane Goodall was an interesting woman. She spent thirty years, literally thirty years, sleeping in the in the uh, in the African. What was it in the um,
1: that's the one
0: with the monkeys. Monkeys, right? Yeah, where was she sleeping? I forgot where it was already. I read two of her books. It might have been the Amazon. I forgot where it was. One of the, one of the jungles. But she spent thirty years studying chimps, chimpanzees in the wild, and she really—it was a it's a wonderful work. She really gave a tremendous amount of knowledge and insight to people about animal, about animal, you know, behavior. But what she describes, you could see very distinct personalities in the chimps. They each were given names. She named them, and she would study them. And she, she describes their personalities, their attachments, their allegiances. They would form bonds, and they would, you know, um, she even describes two the chimps. They used to give them bananas. The chimps one, you know, would love bananas. And two of the chimps, once she put out like five or ten bananas, and two the chimps, they hadn't had bananas in a few months. They started slapping each other on the back, and you could see what were chimp smiles on their on their face. They were clearly the, there's. Not quite a personality, but there 's a nephish there, something alive now that nephish has, has programmed with all of the instincts needed to keep that animal in existence that it 's given the appetite to eat, the desire to sleep, <clears> the <throat> desire to procreate, and everything needed to keep it alive. That nephish utilizes the brain of the animal the same way I use the brain of me, and that that nefesh is able to access whatever level of intelligence that animal is given in its brain, and it's able to think and it's able to direct things. But again, it's similar to me, <clears throat> with one big distinction: that nefesh. Are you ready for this one? Take a deep breath, ladies. That nefesh is physical. When else, not spiritual. When else, the cow is shechted, the nefesh evaporates. Now, <clears throat> to understand what that means. That nefesh is a little bit like electricity. I think there's a good Marshall for it. Electricity, you know, it's
1: live but it's not spiritual.
0: Yep, exactly. That's exactly it. It's live but it's not spiritual. It's what what that means is it it's 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 vibrant. It, it does things. It, it has <clears throat> it doesn't have its own will, but it certainly has programming. But it,
1: it's it, almost it, like you know those wind up toys, and you wind it up and, and it goes complete.
0: In a sense, it's that, but it's a very complex wind-up toy, because... Yeah, it's it's, much more than that, because, like, it's uh, a tremendous
1: number of people in today's day and age that are having pets instead of children, and and they're, like, getting their love and affection from this animal.
0: My wife and I were at a rest stop, and a woman was saying, baby, 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 kissing her, dog. Baby, baby, baby... I just hold, on. hold on, hold on, baby, baby. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Now, the truth is, now again, there's there are differences in animals in their allegiances and their nature, and and they have not quite a personality, but there are very real differences between dogs. You could have an obedient dog and a disobedient dog. You have a dog that 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 likes things and doesn't like things. You know. Uh, so, I'm sorry. They have kids like that also? Yeah. But but the key to it is that the nefesh bahami in the animal is not spiritual. It's it's like electricity. It's alive, but it's not spiritual. And when the animal dies, it evaporates. Now, that nefesh bahami is attached to the dam. It's attached to the blood. Now, here's an interesting thing to think about. Why don't we eat blood? We don't eat blood.
1: His blood is nefesh.
0: All kinds of alakha is about not eating blood. You have to salt it. If it's a liver, it's so saturated, you have to roast it to get the blood out. Don't eat blood. What's wrong with blood? Meat's kosher, right? Shekht did el cow well. She's 100% kosher, but the blood, the blood's no good. Okay, so Klee Yucker explains one of the interesting things about kashas is that the things we eat are put into our body, and we digest not just the Physical part, but whatever spiritual dimensions it has, we ingest as well. So, for instance, he says we don't eat predators. The Torah is very clear: any predatory animal we don't eat. Why? Because the nefesh bahami of a predator is this aggressive, killing instinct. And if you eat the meat of a tiger, of a of a lion, you're going to ingest some of that nefesh bahami, some of that aggressiveness that you're going to put into your own nefesh bahami. The dam, the nefesh bahami is tied to the dam, and the reason we don't eat dam is because in a certain you're ingesting some of the nefesh bahami into you, and it makes you more bahamei. It makes you more physical, more uh, desirous of this world. It attaches you more to the world, but it makes you much more bahamei. Okay, so far so so good. All right, now let's talk about us. So I am the one inside, but here's the complexity. I am part neshama that came from under Hashem's kisei but I was put into this body, and his body has a nefesh Bahami, just like the baboon, the chimps, the monkeys, the giraffes. It has a nefesh, and <clears throat> that nefesh has appetites, desires, and has everything needed to keep me alive. <clears throat> the problem is that I, the conscious person, am constantly, like, affected by both things, um, <clears throat> both my desires, my my holy desires as well as the animal instincts, Nevesh Bahami, Bahami, etc. Now, if we were to stop here, um, life would be pretty complicated, because getting a, a grip on who am I, and what part of me is desiring it, um, we'd see that, that there's like a lot of complexity in the human. Meaning, anyone ever find themselves acting differently on one occasion than another? Any ever find themselves... Um, getting angry and not being able to recognize themselves and doing things that are so dumb and stupid, that, like, I can't believe I did that, I can't right now. What's going on? What, 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 why would you do that? You're an intelligent person, why would you do that? Why would I do something so stupid? Why would I destroy? Why would I yell at people? Why would I do, why, why would I do that?
1: Rochstus.
0: But what does Roshdos mean? <laughs> okay, so it means... Exactly that. And let's let's go back to we once discussed the computer marshal. Imagine you have one family computer, and five. I'm sorry. What you see is what you got. No, wrong marshal. Sorry. Good try.
1: <coughs> right. 14.
0: <coughs> 14. Right, fourteen. Right. <laughs> you have five uh, five kids are all the kids are eating supper. One family computer, and then all five kids rush over to one family computer to use it. Depending on which child gets control of the keyboard is going to determine what you're going to see on the screen, but all the kids are watching the screen. One kid wants to do his math homework, it's going to be a math program. One kid wants to play a game, it's going to be a game. One kid wants to do his science project, it's going to be Word. Whichever child gets control of the keyboard is going to determine what the screen shows, but all five children are watching that screen. So my brain is that computer. Now who gets control of the brain? Well it depends. A lot of times I have control. A lot of times, I never. Bahami gets control, and it really depends. And it depends what time of the day, what the situation is, the week, whatever. <clears throat> but whoever gets control of the keyboard, whoever gets control of the brain, we're all watching that screen. So I am furious. What do you mean, I'm furious. Uh, why am I furious? Because I'm furious. <clears throat> I'm furious. Because I, I am. But <clears throat> okay. Now, I have a muscle that I, I hate wasting this muscle. But this is the most incredible muscle. Would you like to fundamentally understand yourself? Um, that's an, if say no. If it's no, I want to get the names. and it. it's Anne and uh, um, Anne and Brittany. Abby and Brittany. Abby and Brittany are Siamese twins. Uh, I've seen this, and it's 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 a it's a fascinating thing to watch. Abby and Brittany. Now Siamese twins mean they have one body, two heads, two brains, but again one circulation system. <clears throat> You know, one body, two heads. Now, normally, Siamese twins, they try now to separate them at birth, but depending on the situation, they can't always do it. If they have only one heart or one, you know, set of organs, they can't separate. In that case, Abby and Brittany had really were co-joined and could not be separated at birth. And therefore, they grew up as two individuals sharing one body. Abby has control of the left side. Brittany has control of the right side, meaning the right leg and the right... And they're, they're twins who literally share their lives together, but they're distinct personalities. They're, they're very different. Um, now, when you watch them, in any case, they, they grew up, they went to school, went to college, got an education degree, and they now teach in a public school. And they're supposed to be great teachers um, you know can
1: each watch half the course you ever hear that expression? different classes no <laughs> they have to teach the same
0: class but you know you ever hear that teacher says I have eyes in eyes the back of my head. head so in any case you have to see this image by the way they, they took a this is so funny they took a driving test but here's the problem Abby controls the left arm and the left leg Brittany controls the right arm and the right leg they made them take the the driving test twice <laughs> They coordinate, I don't know what they were thinking, but the point is, they walk. They've got it down so pat that they walk left, right, right, right they hold hands like they're a regular functioning person, And except there are two heads, and there are two minds, and two, and, okay, now, so far so good. Let's assume for a minute, this is not the truth, but let's assume for a minute that Abby has a drinking problem, and Brittany doesn't. And Abby loves to drink, and Brittany hates when she gets drunk. Here's the problem. The problem is they share one circulation system, so, Abby starts drinking, and Brittany says, Stop it! Abby says, No, I want to drink. Stop it stop it, stop it! stop it! And she drinks. Now, the problem is, though, even though Brittany does not want to get drunk, <clears throat> they share one circulation system, and therefore, even though they're distinct people, when Abby drinks, it's the same body, and they both get drunk together. Okay, so here's <clears throat> where the, the Shama and the Nefesh Bahami are co joined, like Siamese twins. So, <clears throat> what happens like this? I don't want to get angry, but I'm furious, but I don't want to be angry, but I'm furious, but I don't want to be but I am, but I am. But I am. The problem is I'm co-joined. There's an Ashama and a Bahami that are co-joined, and we're in this deal together. And again, whoever gets control of that keyboard, both of us are there, both of us thinking, and everything together. Okay, so far we've only discussed the very, very basics of who we are. Beruch Hashem explains that there's a whole other dimension to us, way, way beyond anything we've been discussing till now. And <clears throat> what we've been discussing now is the nefesh bahami and the lower neshama. Now, the lower neshama has aspects to it. There's dimyon, imagination. And there's the zikaron, memories that you've. There's seichel, your ability to think. Um, there are different aspects to it, but these are all in the lower neshama. There's a whole other part of I that I'm not attuned to, <clears throat> called the Upper Neshama. The Upper Neshama Hashem gave us to interact with the upper worlds, the spiritual worlds. I'm not attuned to it, I'm not aware of it, but it directly influences my thoughts, my thinking, in a very sort of behind-the-scenes, sort of subtle way. Um, so, <clears throat> for instance, it's um, what will happen is, sometimes you'll have this sort of intuition I should do this, or I shouldn't do that. Or you'll have a desire to change. It's sort of, And I don't know why it is. So <clears throat> we say it's a hirachuvah. Hier- <clears throat> and what's actually happening is, I have an upper neshama that I'm not attuned to, I'm not aware of, and that upper up neshama was given to me because it interacts with the upper worlds, with the olam harufni, which we discussed in previous sessions. And <clears throat> it is something that I'm completely unaware of. Let me, let me share with you an example of that. Every Shabbos you get a Neshamah Yisera. What does it feel like? Tired.
1: It feels tired? Friday night, out cold. Same. matter what Shabbos It's exactly 4 or 8, 7 o'clock. As soon <laughs> as I would send them out. Like right after, oh my
0: God. Okay, that is not Yen Shabbat Yisera. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. But it's universal. Every woman says
1: the same thing. Okay. It doesn't matter what Shabbos
0: is. No. Okay, but guess what? Your neshama was not given to you to put you to sleep. <laughs> so I do not believe that is what's causing that um, sudden fatigue or tiredness or whatever. Now, as the Hashem explains, in neshama you do not feel it coming in and you do not feel it leaving. But it's an extra dimension of Yunishama that interacts with the upper worlds. And uh, here, uh, you know what the easiest way to understand this? What happens when you go to sleep?
1: When Shama leaves, right?
0: Now what does that mean? Are you alive? You're dead? What are you what are you what's what's doing?
1: Your body is alive.
0: Your body's alive.
1: Hashem
0: is there Okay, so the Hashem explains as follows. <clears throat> when you go to sleep, much of your the only thing functioning when you're sleeping is dimyon, imagination. The rest of your mind is put to rest. Hashem wants wants to allow all the animals in the world, man as well, to have a time of rest, so that you're refreshed, you're able to rest up and start the next day fresh. During this time of sleeping, what happens is the only part of your mind, the only part of you that's functioning is is your dimyon, imagination. However, you're up in the Shama, and there are a number of parts up in the Shama, at that point they're allowed to leave, and allowed to go up to Shemayim. At what point are like you
1: sleeping? Not REM. Time? I don't think... Oh, yeah, fact, um, Is it like, you know... Is it, you fall asleep in the middle of a class? Or is it like, you know... That's a good out, question. You know, like, Maybe... Is it only REM?
0: Or, I don't know. Maybe well, you're I'm right, saying,
1: huh? I, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly woken up in the middle of the night, so I don't think my mission has any time
0: to leave. <laughs> it doesn't take long to travel.
1: Any <laughs> time it leaves, it gets cold back there. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe only REM sleep. I don't know. But at, at, the point is, when you let's assume you're sound asleep, well, let's say rapid eye movement sleep, it's totally out. So at that point, the only part left functioning is dimyon, imagination. All the other parts of your mind, as well as your lower neshama, are at rest. Um, parts.
1: So that means that all dreams are coming from just dimyon.
0: Well, they're all interpreted through dimyon. But the dimyon is the only part of you of you that's functioning when you're asleep. Now, what happens is many parts of your upper the Shama, there are five parts of upper the what they are and what the different jobs they do, I don't know. You have to be a kabbalist. To, but bottom line is, they're allowed to go up to shemayim and they're allowed to interact with the pekidim, the sarim, the malachim, the spiritual entities that exist. Now, if you ever have a dream the reason why Chazal take dreams very seriously is because when you're, when you're up the Hashem leaves, you're allowed to interact with different kochas. Now, sometimes Hashem is sending a malach to tell you a message. Sometimes it's a koch that's in the upper world that's going to tell you things that are totally false. But no matter what happens, you're going to experience it with your Dimion active, your imagination active. So... <coughs> when you have a dream at night, it could be completely dimyon, completely just imagination events of the day that are just being twisted and, and kind of you know <clears throat> regurgitated in, in, in convoluted form. Or it could be that at that point your open is experiencing something, a pa'kid or a malach is telling it something, and you're actually experiencing what would be considered close to Nevoah. But... Because your dimyon is what's alive then, it's interpreted through your imagination. So there's no dream that doesn't include some falseness to it, because it's always interpreted through dimyon, through your imagination. So even if you have a a dream on a regular basis, Chazal take dreams that you have regularly, you know, repeatedly, very seriously. So if you have a dream that you have repeatedly, it might well be something that you're being told Meshamaim. Now you don't know... At this point, you don't know if it was told to you by a Malach and it's Emes, or it's told to you by an upper force that's Kol Chetumah and it's false. But regardless of who said it to your upper Neshama, you're now experiencing it with your Dimyon active, with your imagination active. And so automatically you're like kind of viewing it with with, with those crazy glasses. You're seeing things in a distorted manner. and And even if the message is, you know... <clears throat> Bob is going to make a million dollars next week. You may see that as George, not Bob, and not a million, but a dollar, and he's going to lose money. Because you're going to be, again, you're, in, you're interpreting it through Dimion. So there's always some confusion. So most dreams that we have, the vast, vast majority of dreams, now COVID, Freud, Yomod let it's not uh, disparage Freud tonight. We can disparage him any other time. but the vast, vast majority of dreams that you have are utter, complete nonsense, of no relevance, of no consequence, of no meaning. Um, With all psychoanalysts, with with their respect remaining where it should be, but the vast, vast majority of dreams that you have has no meaning whatsoever. However, again, there are some dreams that have great validity, um, again if you have a certain dream that's very vivid and very um, real and you have it repeatedly. So the Gemara is certain things that you see that a certain meaning and, and if you have a dream it's a good idea to go to a chacham and have him um, have him it, have him explain it because the dream is gonna have to interpretation. Why? I don't know, that's way above my pay scale. But but the bottom line is that that what's happening is a a parts of Yurashama go into the upper world, see things and can experience things, and you're going to see it in a distorted manner. Okay, now, what... It doesn't have to happen now. Why does it... Because the the part of you that's functioning when you're up in the Shema leaves is Dimion So your Dimyan is awake, your imagination is awake, all the other senses, all the other parts of your lower Hashem are, are asleep. So you're going to interpret it through Dimyan, imagination. Imagination... Is a flexible reality imagination is not tied to reality imagination, is the world of make believe of Pinocchio and fairy tales and. I always
1: know I never had imagination. I'm sorry? I no dreams. I said, always know I had no yeah, imagination. Like, I yes, so I okay, if you don't
0: remember your dreams, there are reasons why, assuming you have REM, which if you're a functioning human being, you, you have REM sleep, you have dreams. Now, whether you remember them or not is another issue. There are people who are more in tune to their dreams, and people less. People who dream less, and dream more. But REM dreams are associated with deep sleep. Um, now, again, most many people don't remember their dreams at all. Some people do. It, I think it really depends on the speed that you awaken from REM with. In other words, meaning, if you come from REM, uh, from deep rapid eye movement sleep, and you're awoken suddenly, you're more likely to remember your dream because it happened shortly thereafter, but if, if you, you know, if you slowly, you, you go through the cycles of um, deep sleep, and then you start rising up, but but it takes a while, so let's say we are at 2 a.m., you had a rapid eye movement, uh, you know, sleep, but then you slowly you start to come up, and you wake up at 2.30, you may not remember that dream, it was long ago, and it's, it's whatever the case, the point being that, that the dreams have, um, sometimes have relevance, sometimes don't. Now, why were we given this Upanishama? This Upanishama is really what was given to guide us, and was given to interact in the upper world. And it's something that we're totally not attuned to, not aware of, but it greatly influences us. And it's sort of like somebody over your shoulder who's like constantly saying, come on, let's go, learn, domin, do what's right, be a man, do innards. When we talk about your guilty conscience, when we talk about your you're, you know, that's a big part, your neshama, the upper neshama was given to direct you, to guide you, to bring you along the path, um, and, and this is why it's so difficult being a human being. In other words, we forget who we are, we forget that I am the one inside, we forget I have a nefeshim bahami, <clears throat> we forget I have an upper neshama, um, we're not attuned to it, we're not aware of it, and so we find ourselves in other states of confusion. So I have a simple Musr exercise that I think is so um, so powerful. If on a regular basis you ask yourself this question, Who am I? And all you do is you say, I'm the one inside. Good, <clears throat> I'm the guy inside. But more than that, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do in every situation. I know what's right, I know what's wrong, because I have an up a shaman that's perfectly programmed, and perfectly, um, that knows exactly what to do. And all I have to do is listen to it and ignore what I want to do. Um, every time I read the it's I used to say, any moral dilemma, any moral dilemma you could always solve. Do I do this? Do I do that? Should I say this? Should I say that? Should I say this? Shouldn't I say that? So again, anytime you can ask an Itza, your Sholei, it's a good. <clears throat> Let's say you can't. How do you know what the right thing to do is? Ask yourself. What do you mean? Oh. <clears throat> um,
1: I, that <laughs>
0: right. So really what you're doing is like this. You're saying, <clears throat> what is the right thing to do? Well, I want... No, no, no. I don't care what you want. I don't care what your agenda is. And I don't care what the consequences are. What is the right thing to do? And if you say to yourself, <clears throat> what is the right thing to do? And you train yourself not to be... You see, I know what the right thing is. But if I do that, then I'm going to lose money. I'm not going to have this opportunity. I'm going to... Whatever. What's the right thing to do? Forget my agenda, forget my interests, forget the consequences. What is the right thing to do? If you phrase it that way and you listen, you'll instantly know the answer. Because I've been programmed, I've been up in a shaman that's programmed with everything holy, everything right. It's hooked into the upper worlds, it changes the upper worlds, it lights up the upper worlds, um, and it's directly influencing, it's a part of me, it's, it's right there. as long as long I'm, me, As long as I'm conscious and alert, it's right there. And all I have to do is ask myself, what's the right thing to do? And instantly, I know it. Um, no? I wish.
1: Huh.
0: Okay, the reason why you don't know is because there's another voice that says, but,
1: <laughs>
0: but. If I do this, then, if you ignore the other voice and just ask yourself, no? To me,
1: there's certain times, not, not often, but certain times when both alternatives
0: are equally valid. I mean, then I go to a rough. No, yeah, yeah. Let's assume you can't go to a rough. <clears throat> you, you, but listen to the way I'm phrasing it. I'm not asking you <clears throat> what's valid, what it, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? I, the right thing to do is, but what's, you'll know. What's the right thing to do? Again, you have to just teach yourself to ignore the static, and to ignore what you were. But just train yourself to just what's the right thing to do. All right, let's no try it.
1: She's not it. Mm-hmm.
0: Try it. Try it as an exercise. Try it the next time you have a moral dilemma. Again, if you to ask, you always have to ask because it's a lot better to have someone outside you because it's not always easy to train yourself to listen. But <clears throat> let's say you People can't.
1: Always, you can
0: See, but that you can rationalize anything to yourself. You can tell a well, that's rational... the right
1: thing to do? This is the right thing to do. Because in your perception of it, that's the right thing to do. Doesn't right. Doesn't mean it is the right thing
0: you can do. rationalize to yourself, but you know what the right thing is. In other words, if I ask myself, what's the right thing? So I can rationalize it, but I know deep down what's right And all you have to do is ask yourself, what's the right thing to do? And if you ask yourself, what's the right thing to do, and you're... Train yourself not to not what I want, not what I'm interested, in, not not what do I want to rationalize to be okay, even though it's not okay. But what's the right thing? Boom, you'll you know the answer. Try it. Try it
1: as an exercise. Sometimes, like, 'cause my my job is helping other people. If you're helping another person, that complicates it.
0: <clears throat> what's the right thing for you to do? Here. For them to, I don't know. That's another issue. But what's the right thing for you to do? Right. For them to do, you got to be a post, You got to be a, God of a Torah, I don't know. But you have an ashama, You have an open that guides you. All right. So let's recap real quick. Who who am I? I'm right. I. I'm me. I'm me. When I die, who is it who stands in front of the bed of Shemala? Me. Not my arms. Not my head. Not my chest. Not my. Leg. I. I with all my thoughts. I, I with all my thinking. Now, the reason why it's a little bit complicated who I am is because right now I'm in this body. This body also has a Nefeshit Bahami. And a Nefeshit Bahami is very, very influential and pulls me. And for that reason, I'm a little bit like uh, like Brittany and, and Abby, where, where if, if Britney drinks, Abby's going to get drunk. And the minute the Nefeshit Bahami starts acting up, suddenly I get drunk with whatever it drank. So if I drank anger or jealousy or laziness or whatever, suddenly the bloodstream is flooded with that stuff, <clears throat> and all of a sudden I am greatly influenced by it, and I start feeling those things. <clears throat> but once that passes, once it leaves the bloodstream, I come back to being sober, suddenly I see things clearly again. In addition to which I have an and that Upanishama is pure and untouched by anything that the body does. It, remains, it's, it interacts with the upper world, it knows exactly what to do, it guides me, it helps me. Um, the only thing is that if I mess up in a big way, then it lights up kochas in the upper world, and that influences me badly. But hopefully I don't do that, and, and everything is good. All right? Why are you not
1: letting us use the word neshama when you say who oh, I am?
0: Because neshama is a very confusing word. It, 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 people think of it as like the alter ego, they split uh, some distant cousin, like the thing over here, like I, I'm here and this is like some like my neshama, like some you know splintered down version. You no, know, I. It's pshita beggar. When I die, I take the coat off and I get the
1: nishama.
0: Right, Nishama okay. is like, neshama. My neshama is going to burn. I, t- I was a high school rabbi. I used to tell the guys, why don't you sin? The Neshama is going to burn. I would say it's good. Let your Neshama burn. You party, take care of you. Let your Neshama burn. Why should you work so hard? Your Neshama can have a good time in the world to come. The answer is you are the Neshama. Because the word Neshama is a broad term that refers to a a number of elements of you you, your conscious you, the upper Neshama, etc. But the bottom line is it's I who think, I who feel, I who remember. That's the one who's going to leave. I wear this baggage. I temporarily have this physical experience. Oh, I've, got, wait, I've got to take questions from people who are on Zoom. Okay, if anyone has questions, please type them in. If you have questions, you can type them in. You can ask, okay, does the upanishad Neshama have free will? Okay, that's an excellent question. Does the upanishad Neshama have free will? So the upanishad Neshama has free will, much like a Malach has free will, meaning a Malach sees things thing with absolute clarity of vision. So it has free will, but it would never disobey Hashem's uh, wishes because it knows that anything that Hashem commands is for its good, Anything Hashem warned against is for its bad. So the Upanishama has Bechira, but again, it, it sees the consequences. It sees with, without drunkenness, without confusion, it sees exactly what it should do, and therefore it only wants to do what's good, right, and proper. Now, the problem is that when I do things wrong, let's say I eat a trade sandwich, not only am I metamtem, my goof, but the Upanishama now has to get involved with kochas atumah, and it becomes darkened and it brings down bad influences back down to me. When I do what's right, it, it lights up upper worlds and it becomes more enlightened and therefore it enlightens me. So there's a sort of back and forth between the upper worlds and the <clears throat> lower worlds, between the Shama, up in the shaman and low in the Shama, where things get a little complicated. But again, it, it is pure until I taint it. it. remains, And even then it remains pure, but it's affected by by Kol all right, so far, so bad, right? Question.
1: Yes. At what point do I become I? At birth? Like like
0: at conception? So, your you, your intelligence begins to form as you become more, as you begin maturing. So, at two years of age, you have to think through the brain, but depending on what your brain functions How your brain functions will determine how you're going to perceive things, how you're going to understand things. A two-year-old brain is a very underdeveloped and very immature brain. So you think through it. You perceive the world through that brain. It's like you're wearing glasses that are very, very foggy. As you get older, your brain matures, and therefore your ability to relate to things, to understand things, to see things change, you know, your glasses become better. Your your vision becomes sharper. and You're able to perceive things as you tend twelve, twelve, fourteen, eighteen, twenty. At a certain point, you reach maturity where you're able to your your mind that you think through. It, it, you know, gives you a much clearer vision of things, a much clearer understanding. So, you did, did I confuse that totally? Again, you're the one inside. But right, here, let's do it this way. You're saying that my brain is made no, no, here. What, here, watch this. Let's say we have a great, a great Tamu Chacham. And uh, he has a brain, traumatic brain injury. Loses all his memory. Okay? And mm-hmm. Ten years later, he dies. <clears throat> he comes to Shemayim. How much Torah does he have? He from
1: the... Everything he did.
0: But he forgot all of it. He had a traumatic brain disorder damage. And... But it
1: made his Neshama.
0: So, <clears throat> I think through the brain. What that means is, I have to think through this clunky, heavy thing called the brain, but it's I who think through the brain. And when I leave this body, every single event of my life comes flashing back to me because I know it, I remember it, I lived it, I experienced it. As long as I'm inside this body, I'm blocked and I can only access certain things because I have to think through the brain. But the brain is clunky and slow and sluggish, if it forgets things. It gets confused. It gets drunk. It's, but it's. I have to think through the brain.
1: Would he even have the Torah that he could have learned those ten years? No. That he
0: won't have. No. Won't be held against him, but but he won't have it. But it doesn't <clears throat> answer my
1: question, though. Because then, at what point do I become I? At birth, or before <clears throat> I'm born?
0: Leagues and leagues, ages and ages, eons before you were born.
1: So it's before I'm born.
0: Way before you were born. Way before you were born.
1: All the shemus were <clears throat> created at the same time. Yep. Way and Har-Zenai.
0: before Har Sinai. Before Har Sinai, all the shemus were created, and they're put is into the a- yeah, and they're put into the world at different kufas, different times. They're put it, <clears throat> into the world depending on who, when, what, and why. But you were under the kiseyakov. But you, <clears throat> and then Hashem, and and by the way, you're shown what your life is going to be. <clears throat> you're shown the events of your life. You're shown what, you know, who you're going to marry, basically your kids, what things are going to transpire. And remember, as we discussed, Nimnu, everyone says, yes, that's exactly right for me. I want that. That's perfect for me. Um, but then you're put into the body. Now, this entering the body experience is very like darkening and very like, like being put to sleep and, 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 and put into this huge, like, this heavy coat. And you have to now think through a sluggish brain, and more than that, you wake up, and you wake up as an infant that has no like no brain, no you know, IQ of a of a two day old. So you so you like it's so so thick and so <clears throat> corporeal, and it's very in in reality, it's not pleasant at all. The Shaman does not enjoy its its uh, stay in in this world at at all. Um, but as long as you're in this brain. You have to see through the brain, you have to think through the brain. It's like wearing glasses. You see, you know, meaning I perceive the world through these eyes. That's <clears throat> So, too, I think through the brain, but it's I who think through the brain. I have yeah. oh, question. The nine months
1: that a fetus is in the womb, they're being talked over, right? Right. And then they come out and a mouth pinches them and they forget it. What's the point of the pinch, then, if they're coming into a body and the body is so bogged down
0: in <clears throat> way? Right. So, one sort of at Rav I'll explain you ever see two kids play the violin? One kid's talented; he picks it up, and it's music. It's beautiful. The other kid's not yet screeching. Ah. You learned the entire tour already. It's familiar. You're like a talented kid playing the instrument. You're not. It's not new turf. It's it's not new territory. It's something you've you've learned before. That, even though you don't remember it, but it's. It's, you're natural at it, so that's you know.
1: Why do we have to forget
0: it? That was my question. Oh, why have to forget it? Because otherwise, there's no bechira. If you knew,
1: so why <laughs> do it to begin? Do it to begin
0: again. with, so you, you're when you learn it, it's natural to you. It's something that you've learned already.
1: B'hira.
0: What makes it easier, but you are still a bechira, All right, and Plenty of people mess up, and and you also have the option not to learn it. But but when you get involved in learning, it's more it's more natural to you, more instinctive. You've learned already. like. You're almost programmed already for it. You've done it, you know.
1: Everyone has taught it, regardless if they're Jewish or not. Oh, I
0: don't know if that's true. No. No, a guy, saying, no a guy and a Jew have different Shamas. No. Since someone
1: uh, taught to Jews, even those that don't even know they're Jewish, they still learn it? Correct. So as long as their mother is
0: Jewish, they've acquired it. And what about a ger? So a ger comes under Avram Avinu's Tree and he's given a neshama of a Jew. Uh, it's a, it's a dramatic transformation. A ger is allowed to marry. You know, in theory, I mean, he has no relations anymore. Anyone who's he's not, he's a newborn infant. It's like a, a newborn entity. He's given a new neshama, and he begins afresh from that point on. So, yes. actually, someone has a question. Someone goes off the derech. Nevish Baham become stronger, and <clears throat> the man inside a weaker? Yes, in words, what happens is either your Nefesh Bahami becomes stronger or it becomes weaker depending on use or disuse. So if you use your Nefesh Bahami to serve Hashem, your Neshama becomes stronger, the Nefesh Bahami becomes weaker. If you allow the Nefesh Bahami to take control, it becomes stronger, more prominent, it becomes far more dominant over you, and you become much more Bahami and much less holy. Yeah, sorry? There was a story recently about a Yeshiva
1: Bachar. When he went to get married, he found out that he was really not Jewish. Mm. And somebody, you, you heard the story. No, you mean, he found out that his mother had converted, oh, but right, right. not really properly. And somebody was saying that the reason he was able to learn with such geschmack was because he didn't have a that,
0: <laughs> Could be. You never know. Um, what if someone has serious insomnia? Does it affect the time that the Shama has in the upper world? That's a good question. I'll tell you one thing. If someone has serious insomnia, it affects... The, f- the impact that Shema has in this world that I can tell you because if you have serious insomnia you can't function as a human being in this world and you have to figure out how to deal with it you have to find, out, find a solution if it's sleep apnea you have to deal with it if it's insomnia you have to do your best to, 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 to deal with it alright we went over time a little bit so ladies I thank you very much for attending and listening if you've not had a chance yet to get the 10 really dumb mistakes that very small couples make it's becoming a, a bestseller, folks it really is, yeah, Baruch It's becoming. It's selling much more than novels. That's what they're telling me. It's like, uh, it's. Um, in any case, it's available in the store. It's available on Amazon, and it's available on schmooz.com. If you go to schmooz.com, not only do you get the hardcover with free shipping, you also get the audiobook, the ebook, as well as Marriage Transformation Bootcamp as a free bonus. T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z.com. com. Thank you. Have a good Shabbos. See you next week. Is it off? Is it off? I move one second.